Welcome to another edition of Chapters. My name is Jim Derrick, and on today's program, I am joined by the relatively newly minted executive director at the Franklin Food Pantry, Tina Powderly. Welcome, Tina. Thank you, Jim. It's good to see you. Very excited to see you. I say you're relatively new. It certainly only applies to the executive director's role. You have been around the food pantry for a long, long time. I have. Similar to um, many of the folks at the food pantry, I sort of entered into their their world years and years ago and just never left. Started as a donor and a volunteer, and then eventually was um, privileged enough to join the board, was on the board for a couple of years, became chair of the board for a couple of years, and then re- recently moved into this role in March. We're really fortunate to have you. You you were in healthcare for a long, long time, consulting, and you did that for, what, 20 years or so? On and off, I was doing that while I was raising my family. Um, Before I had my children, I was working for partners in their community benefits division, which really is focused on public health and and how you get that benefit out back into the community. And that's really been one of my guiding forces and and why I ended up where I am today. Um, Did a lot of consulting and most recently worked at Milford Regional Medical Center in their um, CEO's office. Well, Tina, one of the things that I I really so appreciate about you happened really the first time I met you, and we got into a conversation about the general needs of the community from a social service standpoint. And it, it really, really motivated me because I felt like I found a kindred spirit. You had a lot more experience than I had in the arena. I was newly working on the Safe Coalition, been at it for only a couple of years, but Both of us shared sort of the vision that we were hoping that services could not only become more robust in town, but also be more consolidated and coordinated. And I've always appreciated that conversation and kind of reflected on that as Jen and I have been working at SAFE. So I want to thank you for that motivation and for your continued service at the food pantry. Tina, bring us up to date on the food pantry. People, I'm sure, have seen the new location signs down at... Uh, West Central location yes. uh, that you're, you've purchased already. How has COVID affected the needs of the community and how have you all responded? Sure. Thank you. And I do want to go back one moment and say you are very humble because I do remember that first conversation um, leaving there thinking um, I've met someone who's one of a kind because you have single-handedly started and then uh, with Jen and the rest of your incredible board and supporters brought a very important group so far doing so much for folks um, that that didn't have that resource locally I think so you're you're one of those people who who takes an idea and a passion and makes things happen so you're an inspiration to everybody around you as well thank you Tina But the food pantry. So in a nutshell, we saw the increase in need that many social service agencies had. I think what it did was highlight a food insecurity issue for sure. But to me, on the macro level, just how much of our society really lives in a fragile state. So they might not have the social capital 
to deal with the ups and downs. And by social capital, that might mean the mother or father who can watch your child if you have to work a job that's not super flexible. Or when your car breaks down, a second car that you can use to get to the grocery store, to get to work, to get to doctor's appointments. Um, And so when you have some catastrophic event like COVID where the entire world shuts down, when folks are living really at the edge of their means and something like that happens, it it throws them over the edge in all arenas. So our arena was around food insecurity, but we saw it in mental health. We saw it in childcare. We saw it in education, the, the gaps that some kids um, began to feel. So we did see an increase. It was very interesting. We saw a lot of new faces, mm-hmm. which, again, just sort of highlighted the point I was I was making earlier about how many folks in our society live right on the edge, paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. But we did see our repeated customers, of course, as well. We um, are d- diving into the demographics a little bit. Now that we can catch our breath a little bit, we sort of have our distribution model, which I'll talk about under our belt. Um, but it does feel like as soon as we get something settled, COVID has other ideas. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly pivoting. But we saw an increase in numbers. We saw an increase in the, the children that came to our through our doors. And this increase is dramatic. And, and I, I know that it depends upon how you slice it, you said earlier, but upwards of 25 to 30 percent. Absolutely. Increase Absolutely. year over year in a COVID year. Absolutely. And I find it fascinating. I just wanted to spotlight for a second what you were saying, that it's not just an economic issue, but it's the, you call it social, social capital, social yeah. capital, brilliant way of saying it, which is, gee, all those networks, like do mom and dad live close by? Is there, are there relatives, vehicle, access to vehicles, all of those things that candidly I take for granted. Absolutely. That can really knock somebody upside down in the, in a time of crisis. So thank you for pointing that out. I think it helps explain when, when folks wonder, well, how did Jane and John Smith end up in this position? Could they have made different decisions when not, not blaming, but it's perhaps a natural question that some listeners might have. And when you peel away the onion at folks who access our services or, or many social services, it, it is a matter of circumstances that, that aren't easily controlled. And so if you don't have that support network, it can have a lot of, of ripple effects. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you, you hit that health crisis, if you don't have that money in the bank, um, you know, there's story after story. Someone who came through our line last week said that she just received news that her rent's going up $200 a month. Her landlord, I'm sure, needs to do that. He has probably been hit very hard by COVID, but $200 a month is an incredible amount of money for someone who is working at a a minimum wage job, perhaps, or living on a fixed income where there's not an ability to make that up anywhere. Yeah, and you're talking about the ability to increase the empathetic nerve in all of us. And I remember Alan Casey, who was running for Congress, said to me, everyone has one of those, has that empathetic nerve. And it just takes one exposure to something that your empathy grows on. And you can't unlearn that. You can't. It's it's powerful. And I love that description. I call it compassion. Yes. But um, 
that description is is even more compelling to me. And since I can't pronounce empathetic, I think I'll go back to <laughs> compassion. But but it, it always resonated with me because what I hear you doing is is drawing a word picture for all of us that are listening that that want to help that 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 just don't understand the nature of the problem and making it easily accessible for us to to envision ourselves in someone else's shoes which is what you need in order to develop that empathy absolutely and once you have that empathy then you're called to help and the community as you illustrate beautifully on your website and by the way i want our listeners to make sure you go to franklinfoodpantry.org just as it's spelled uh please take a look at the website it's a wonderful website look at the annual report the 2020 annual report you will see in graphically presented not only what the needs are but importantly how the food pantry has responded and also how the community of franklin has responded and we're going to talk about that in a minute Please, how yes. the food pantry manages to operate and what the budget's comprised of if you're anything like me you're going to in about three and a half minutes of reading that get a really good picture of what the food pantry is doing Probably like me, you're going to say, how the heck do they do it with such a, a small staff? And and then you're going to want to get involved. And whether you get involved as a volunteer or a donor at one of your many events, I would urge people to do so. A great, great organization. So, again, it's franklinfoodpantry.org. And I just want to take a minute to remind people we are speaking with Tina Powderly, who is the executive director of the Food Pantry. My name's Jim Derrick. This is Chapters Radio, and we are here on 102.9 WFPR-FM. We can also be found on any of your favorite podcast sites by simply searching under Chapters with Jim Derrick. So, Tina, you were back to talking about COVID and and your response. I know that you had drive-through, yep. which was a new service. So we immediately pivoted. Um, this was um, when I was on the board, and... I just want the overwhelming thread that's running through this this next little segment to be that without the staff and volunteers and truly the financial support of the community during that time, we wouldn't have been able to do what we did and continue to do. The boots on the ground work was so uh, intense, so quick to change from what we had, which was clients coming in once a month and shopping, full choice shopping, uh, with drop-in hours for fresh produce. All of that had to change to a COVID safe. And we didn't feel comfortable having our volunteers in that position at that point. So it it rested very heavily on the backs of our eight part-time staff. Uh, So you know, we bring in 3,000 pounds of food from the Greater Boston Food Bank every week, and that was unloaded, redistributed, and loaded into cars every single week. It was quite an operation. But we did institute curbside uh, service so folks could drive up. They got a bag of shelf-stable goods, and um, right now they have a choice of proteins and they have a choice of dairy. Those vary week to week as to what we can offer and what might be available, and those are at the most basic level loaded in the trunk and on they go. But the reality of the service is that it's continued to evolve as um, we got our handle around what was happening and what the needs were. We're constantly, we hope, querying our neighbors about what they might need, paying attention to the conversations we're having, which now had to be through a car window with a mask. But we quickly realized that 
kids were a huge piece of this puzzle. We saw an increase in those numbers. We knew it from our work with the schools, which I can talk about in a moment. And um, a shelf-stable bag that's going to have toilet paper, which SNAP benefits cannot purchase, um, and other you know pasta and jars of beans, is not as exciting to the kids who are used to being able to pick some things off the shelves or their parents and guardians picking things off the shelf. So we institute what we call kids' bags, which I think is going to be one of a, a number of things that will stay. So these bags are... A number of kid-friendly items, Um, easy to make meals in case parents are working or not available to help. Not every one of our neighbors have the same sort of kitchen setup. There are sometimes limitations in terms of refrigeration or access to stoves. So foods that are, we hope, nutritious, shelf-stable milk will be in there, Um, cereal-type bars, fruit in juices, make my plug, not in sweetened juices, but 100% fruit (laughs) juice. Um, And then toothbrushes, toothpaste, kids' masks. We had wonderful donations of kids-sized masks. So all that goes into kids' bag. And if you have two kids, you get two. And if you have four kids, you get four. That was a piece we added. And now one of the, the most fun things, I think, that we've been able to add in the summer months is our farmer's market, which is run by a phenomenal volunteer named Jen Cuse who manages her own army, um, and I'm not over-speaking there, army of volunteers. Uh, We have 11 beds at the community gardens. Um, The town has been, and Ryan Jetty, great supporters of ours, and those beds are harvested twice a week at 6 o'clock in the morning. The harvest is sort of packaged up so clients can have and when I say have amazing produce, I really mean amazing produce. This week we had things I can't pronounce, but there were red red <laughs> kale, um, fresh garlic, right. chives, right. Uh, tons of tomatoes. It's tomato season, zucchini. It just it's wonderful to be able to give them the fresh produce too. You know, Tina, I love that. And on your website, there's a great I think there's a great descriptor of full choice where. Uh, that is the exception, not the rule, when it comes to food pantries. I didn't realize most food pantries prepackage what you're able to take, and and you go with what you get. Yes. And yes. Here in Franklin, our pantry allows for this full choice. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, we we are very proud of that. That's been sort of our our hallmark for a very long time, and it really has to do with dignity, um, and that's. Um, remembering that um, having choice in your life on, on everything means that you have a degree of control. And so that's what we try to make sure our clients feel every single time um, they walk in that door or drive up. So um, we now have been a little limited in terms of time. But as we talk about uh, moving back inside yeah. when the winter comes, we're hoping to give our neighbors choice in how they access the food. So perhaps we've had a number who say, actually, curbside works really well for me. I have young kids or um, I have health concerns or I'm not as mobile. So I I really like that convenience, just like someone might use Peapod or Instacart. Um, We have others who really want to be inside the pantry and have that full choice shopping experience. So we want to offer choice of product. We want to offer choice of method. We want to order choice of time. We have evening hours for those folks who might not be able to get to us during the day. And all those um, 
are meant to empower our neighbors mm-hmm. who are already in a very vulnerable position. It's really difficult to ask for help. Um, so when neighbors come to us, we try to respect the fact that they're already trusting us with something um, pretty sacred. And so we're trying to create a scenario that feels good. Sure. You know, Tina, what a great description. And it strikes me that people are not just getting nutrition when they get to Franklin uh, Food Pantry. They're getting nutrition for the soul. They're so well cared for when they come to your agency. And I know because I've heard stories about the way people are treated, the way they feel when they come away, in part due to the thought that went into things like full choice and the many other ways you interface with people. And as you said, dignity is a cornerstone. Trust is the cornerstone of a good relationship uh, with your clientele. And that ever-present knowledge that we are all one, we are all the same. And that expression there, but the grace of God go I, has never been truer, I 100%. think, in our, in our, in our communities and in, in, in indeed our world's lifetime, particularly with COVID. And it's one of the benefits I think COVID's given us is, is more empathy. And I'm so glad you, you, you described that the way you did, because I want people to realize that when we talk food pantries, Franklin Food Pantry is, has been so well thought out. And when a client goes there or a volunteer goes there, or a donor goes there, or just someone like me that's been on tours there, you are treated with such excitement, compassion. What can we do? How can, how can, how can we get you involved? It's a very exciting place to be. And your board reflects that, your staff reflects that, and you reflect that. And so I want people to know, go to franklinfoodpantry.org, take a look. There's a donate button right on the front. And highly recommend taking some time to look at the website as maybe you find it in your heart to give a donation. Because none of this happens, as you said, without the wonderful volunteers you have and importantly, well over 3,000 donors you had in, in 2020 in the community. So hopefully people will find it in their hearts to become one of those donors and get involved. Let's get to the finances of the Franklin Food Pantry, okay. Tina. We call it Franklin Food Pantry, and I always assumed that meant that it was a town-subsidized program. Help to spell that uh, right. and, and flesh out exactly how the food pantry is funded. A very common, common misperception in part because of our name, which, you know, when we were incorporated, it, like many of these stories started off as, you know, a few volunteers helping about eight families and now has grown to the, the numbers we have. Um, we see over 120 neighbors every week on average. So... Franklin Food Pantry really is a geographic distinction more than anything else, although we do open our doors to members of the community who might not be able to access their um, pantries for specific reasons. Perhaps it's dietary. Perhaps um, our hours are very robust. Some pantries um, aren't able to have those hours due to capacity and, and staff and volunteer limitations. So we do focus primarily on Franklin And we just, by nature of how we have evolved, we aren't a department of the town. So Mm -hmm. you might see some food pantries that operate out of a town space or are a line item budget, and and we are not that. Which is not to say that the town of Franklin isn't incredibly supportive of us. They work... work so well with us, for us, the relationship we have with the fire department, with the police department, with the senior center and the social workers and the veterans agent, 
really is cornerstone yeah. to, to what we are able to do. But it does take money to run the truck, turn the lights on. We've had expenses just like everyone else in terms of COVID that have been increased. Mm-hmm. We have filters all over the building and some of the, sort of the safety precautions we've had to take. Uh, there, there's a lot. And, and, you know, it's funny. You look at a small organization that does big things, but you also forget about, you know, the less, the less sexy pieces, the liability insurance that you have to hold. There's a lot of real things out there just to do what we do. And so we have been just blown away by the generosity of the community mm-hmm. in helping us. And um, I should also say that while we don't have a dedicated line item funding that we can rely on, whether it were from the town or, say, a membership due type of organization, we also have been really supported by our state delegation, and that's really led by Representative Roy. Um, Jeff Roy has been a champion of social issues in general, but certainly food insecurity. And he and his colleagues recently, uh, the state budget that was just passed, um, earmarked over $30 million to the MEFAP program, which is the Massachusetts Emergency uh, Food Assistance Program. And those monies go to the four regional food banks, um, which is a little bit of an important distinction for folks as they learn about the food insecurity system. Those banks are where an, a smaller agency like ourselves would be able to purchase our food at a highly discounted rate. Right. So, Jim, if you gave $5 yes. to us, mm-hmm. um, we use that to... Um, access either free or significantly discounted food from the Greater Boston Food Bank. Mm-hmm. If we went to a typical grocery store, sure. it doesn't go near as far. So that's one of the reasons we've really strategically in the last couple of years begun to try to highlight that difference so that folks consider giving funds as well as food. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the tangible feels mm-hmm. a little bit better, sure. and that's certainly to be understood, mm-hmm. but the funds gives us a lot of flexibility. You just took the words out of my mouth. I was imagining it couldn't be that different than the Safe Coalition. When you have general operating funds that, that are unrestricted, Absolutely. Uh, it gives you flexibility. And what's involved in that, again, is the T word. It's trust. And the trust is that the Franklin Food Pantry is a totally transparent operation. All you need to do is go to the website, look at the annual report, go down to the food pantry, ask for Tina, sit with Tina. Yep, you can yeah. sit with me. Anybody would yep. sit with you. Anybody. And, and have but a conversation about point. what's going on. If we get down to kind of the nuts and bolts of what what you guys do on a, on a daily basis, this 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 blows me away. I really love this graphic. Okay, actually. <laughs> and th- I'm reading right from the annual report. What it takes to feed 1,400 people a month in 2020, it took 243,000 pounds of food, 40,343 pounds of produce. And in 2020, you had nearly 3,000 donors who gave in order to acquire all of that food. I mean, I just, I just, it's hard for me to get my arms, and that's all in Franklin. That's that's out of our little our little house there um, behind Rockland Trust that they have been so gracious in letting us sort of inhabit and live in. Um, I mean, the numbers the numbers here are, ju- are just absolutely amazing. How about close to 1,800 volunteer hours in one year, with over 114 volunteers? And I would love to spend just a minute on that. Please. Because of COVID, um, obviously, we 
were as safe as possible for our volunteers and weren't able to bring them back really until fairly recently. Right. Outside operations makes that a little bit easier. But again, in the scheme of COVID, that's relatively new. And now as as we've had vaccinations and, and other improvements into the COVID landscape, we've been able to bring folks inside to, say, pack all those produce bags that go out or mm-hmm. pack the shelf-stable bags that go out or pack the kids' bags or the weekend backpack program, which gives those kids' bags 60 or so every single week to the Franklin school system, the public school system. School nurses identify um, families in need, and we work with them to, to bring those over. But the volunteers, again, and, and the staff, too, the volunteers are an incredible group. Uh, you really can't put into words what they give to the Franklin Food Pantry. Literally couldn't do what we could do without them. You just need that many hands and that many people when you're talking about that volume. The dedication, the sensitivity, and um, interestingly enough, what I what we heard almost to every single volunteer who came back was how much they actually felt that the food pantry gave to them during yep. a time like COVID. When you're looking around the world and you just want to help make things better. Mm-hmm. And uh, one particular volunteer said when she told her family that she was coming back, her family her, her daughter cried because she said, Mom, I know how much you've missed this. I know how much it's been a hole in your life. I'm so happy you're back there. And then when our neighbors come through and they see that face that they've been missing for three, you know, three months, six months, nine sure. months, it's almost like a mini family reunion. Yeah. So, um, again, donations are, in, you know, important to us and integral to what we do, of course. But we hope that the volunteer opportunities, which now are a little bit limited because of COVID, sure. are going to open up. So we encourage folks to continue to check our website because when that volunteer application is up, that means we're open. And it's an incredibly rewarding experience. It will, it will change your life. Jim, you just spoke about kids yes. and really educate them, educating them, getting them involved. And it did make me want to describe for listeners Please. our Food Elves program. So our Food Elves program is really a program that occurs during the, the end of the year, uh, right after Thanksgiving, right before the, the holiday season. Mm-hmm. But if you can believe it, we're already beginning to plan for it. Yeah. And it is on our social media. And the Food Elves is a fantastic way to get that middle schooler or high schooler involved in fighting insecu- food insecurity. So it started with two kids pulling a little red wagon and going around their neighborhood and collecting goods and bringing them to the food pantry. True story. Lisa Piana's kids. You know Lisa Piana who runs yeah. the Franklin Downtown Partnership? Sure. Absolutely. Ask her about it. And it has grown into last year raised $80,000. Wait a minute. How long ago are these two little kids? Oh, gosh. Well, now I'm going to date myself because they're graduated. Yeah, yeah. So 18, 20 years ago? uh, Not even. Oh, gosh, not even. That's how much. And last year, I should say, I mean, if we were able to do that this year, I would be completely blown away. This is incredible. There was was COVID, the COVID need to help and food insecurity was so high. Um, But it's grown year over year over year. And it's grown because... um, we are able to show kids that 
they make an impact. So if you are a child, you sign up and you have an area right in your neighborhood. It might be a street, might be two streets, and you make some flyers. There's a little toolkit, and you know kids now can do this all. They're so advanced from a technology perspective. There's a toolkit we give you. You have a little flyer, URLs, the whole bit, and you put them out to your neighbors. Maybe follow up. Say say when you're walking the dog, did you see see my flyer? We're collecting funds for the food pantry, and then you circle back pick up the funds and bring them to the food pantry. It's community service hours as well. So if you're in high school, that does does matter. You are looking for those. So what better way to get community service hours with something that you believe in? And it has a direct impact. Once you volunteer, you you become a member of the core. You do. And and it takes a bunch of people uh, to become ambassadors. And you become an ambassador, believe me, when you walk through the Franklin Food Pantry doors, 90% of the entire budget, the entire operating budget of the food pantry comes from the community. And I think it's really important to know that while the town of Franklin is a wonderful place to live and the town of Franklin has been and continues to be tremendously supportive of, of the food pantry, we have to be careful and remember that it's us, the community members, that donate by writing a check. And indeed, those funds, as Tina just said, are multiplied exponentially because they're going to the food bank to make the purchases, which buy a, buys a heck of a lot more for that one dollar and feeds a lot of people. So, and I'm going to do a little tickler because I just can't resist. But we are um, about to publicly launch, probably right after Labor Day, a monthly giving program. Okay, which is a brand new program. We've had monthly donors who have opted to to sure. give that way and you can give ten dollars a month if, if that's what your capacity is um, we have a wide range and for us in terms of planning purposes as you can imagine then we know what that revenue stream yes. is and certainly it's never going to be on our budget the bulk of what we do but we're hoping to really increase that because that allows us to really have a reliable, predictable source of income. And uh, so we're going to be, we've thanked our monthly donors who currently exist as being early members of the club, but now we've given it a name. It's called GEMS, Give Every Month. And we look for it. We will post it on our website. It'll be in our newsletter. We'll do an email blast um, for folks who are interested in joining us that way. So if you're like me and you're hearing this, you hear two things. One is... It's a new program and it's cool. It's got a name. You can become a gem. And the other thing is the ease of giving because I can budget on a monthly basis and not have to think about it. And I can see in Tina's eyes, it's going to be easy for us to do and it's going to be accessible. Um, why not get the kids involved? I see kids all up and down our street uh, with lemonade stands, with doing all kinds of creative things. And our children want to be involved in change. They, they know the world's at risk right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. and um, what a great opportunity to get families involved in talking about budgeting and then how much can we give to our neighbors and friends that are that are hungry. So GEMS is the name of the program. Make sure you uh, keep an ear out for it. I want to remind everybody we are speaking with Tina Powderly. Tina is the executive director of the Franklin Food Pantry. My name is Jim Derrick. This is Chapters Radio here on WFPR 102.9 FM.
So, Tina, you just mentioned the GEM program, which is going to be a new giving program for the food pantry. I know that you have another awareness program coming up. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, thank you. I want to let the community know about a new program that we instituted out of COVID, which, again, we plan to keep, which is our home delivery program. Mm. And, you know, an underlying underlying theme in everything we do is increasing access to our services to folks and home delivery came out of COVID in recognition of folks who maybe couldn't get out. They might have had health conditions and they really weren't encouraged to to be out in public in those very early days. Remember when you really weren't even mm. supposed to go to the grocery store. Yeah. So we knew who some of those clients were and we would deliver to their homes, call them. It was, again, a volunteer who really helped us with this program, call to figure out what they might need in addition to our, our staples and deliver them to the program. This is uh, deliver them to their home. This is another area where the Franklin Police Department has been phenomenal. Uh, Officer Spillane is one of our major uh, home delivery folks. He probably has his own official fan club. (laughs) When he has a week off, everybody wants to know where he is and when he's coming back. And Officer Gov has been helping us this summer while Officer Spillane was on another um, assignment. So this program, which started off as four or five over the every week over the beginning of COVID, has now steadily really been over 15, 16, 17 for, I would say, the last month or two. And what happens is a lot of our neighbors might live in proximity to each other, so they'll tell each other. We have one neighbor who came on the program because she injured her back. So yet she actually is a neighbor who uses our services but wanted to give back. So volunteers at the garden every morning at 6 o'clock to harvest the the produce and had an injury and she was not able to drive and so she said you know is there anything you can do we said absolutely we have this new program and then she contacted us and said that she actually has a neighbor that she helps because that neighbor has accessibility issues and so so now since neighbor number one has accessibility issues now neighbor number two is going to have accessibility issues can we help her Absolutely. That's Mm. exactly what this program is for. And the people on this program are you and me. They're the people who hurt their back, have to have a surgery. Mm -hmm. Their child has a surgery so they can't get out. Their parent is ill. Their parent has dementia. They can't leave them alone. So it has been, to me, one of the most rewarding, as you say, um, positives that have come out of COVID, that we've been able to develop this program and... um, meet the needs of folks who may not have had that option before. Again, volunteer really run. So our staff uh, sort of identify who it is um, that might need the services and the volunteers come in every week. We have a rotating schedule, pack the bags, make follow-up phone calls, deliver to to our neighbors. So it's, it's a really amazing program. And I want folks to know about that both from perhaps a volunteer perspective, but if you're a neighbor who happens to be listening or you know somebody who might be food insecure but not have the mobility to get to us, we will get to you. The number at the Franklin Food Pantry is 508-528-3115. Also, I just want to touch on how does somebody access your services? Because I think sometimes people are a little bit in fear because they don't know 
what to do. They don't know who to ask, and they're at a vulnerable point. Absolutely. It's very easy. Literally, just show up. So we are open right now, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Tuesday, 9 a.m., 1 p.m. on Friday. Those are our day hours. We're also open Tuesday evenings, 5.30 to 6.30 every week. Uh, In the fall, those might adjust a little bit, but right now that's completely curbside, contactless delivery. And you really, truly can just drive up. And if it's the first time you've been there, we'll take basic information so we make sure that we can get a hold of you and you will walk away with food. And I want to encourage people to hear this and know that you can walk into the food pantry. But also, if if you're about right about town, spread the word that everybody knows in town about the food pantry. You can go to a police officer, you can go to clergy, you can go into the town hall and ask about how to access services, whether it be through the food pantry, the Safe Coalition. You're going to find people that have linked together in resource sharing, and that's what we're trying to increase in town. It really does take a village, and, and this still is a small town, and so please do ask. But Importantly, call the food pantry, stop in, and know that your needs uh, will be met by a very compassionate person who will meet you where you need to be met, which is exactly where you are. Absolutely. And I'll make another um, a little pitch here. If you are connected to a house of worship in Franklin, they have been incredible supporters mm-hmm. historically and really have... Uh, initiated um, a few new programs under their Project Envoy umbrella. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say it's a fair assumption that that almost every house of worship in Franklin would be able to provide information to you. Mm-hmm. We've actually had some folks, say the St. Vincent de Paul Society, drive people over to right. our distribution line if, if that becomes an issue. So it really is very close-knit. Um, and once you're once you show up, we'll get you registered, and it will be an easy process. Five zero eight five two eight three one one five, and also franklinfoodpantry.org. And very very rarely, relative to the breadth of services and their needs, very very rarely is there an ask for money. Tina's smiling because I didn't know you were going to do this little plug, but this is lovely. But it's true. It is. It, it, it it's is. absolutely true. And it, candidly, it's it's very motivating. To realize that this type of work is going on in the community by such humble people who are mission-driven and mission-focused. I'm going to take a little liberty here, but you assume that when you meet that mission that your needs will be met. And they have been because you're doing such great work. I, I I just have to say that because it's something that is never lost on me. And as a result, we have an organization that's been here for a long time. They're moving to a new location in a new building. They're expanding as our community is expanding, and they're meeting um, all of our neighbors' needs that find themselves with food insecurity. And again, they're not just getting food. They're getting a lot of nourishment for their soul, and they're being met with dignity and grace. This program is called Chapters. Everyone has a story is the tagline, and every story is worth telling And this is a story that's worth telling on behalf of everybody in this community that's linked and looks to support each other. But you also have a story. And I wanted to just give you a second. I I really want to get behind Tina Powderly and find out why it is you do what you do and what motivated you. So can you talk to me a little bit about what it is that drives you? What is your why? Oh, gosh. 
it's humbling to think that anyone would be be interested in that. But at a young age, I was an army brat in, I hope, the best sense of the word. But my dad was lifelong army helicopter pilot. So we moved a lot when I when I was younger, a lot. I've lived in Virginia probably more times than I can count, a couple times in California, Germany, Maryland. I was born in Alabama, actually. So I was constantly surrounded by two things. Um, and my mom was a nurse. I want to add that. I was surrounded by two things, diversity of experiences with people and people who believe that part of your mission here is to give back to the community. That's what I saw my mom do every day when she went to work. That's what I saw my dad did do serving the country. And so I think that was just instilled in me as I grew yeah. up that sort of no matter what you do, there's a way to give back and, and find what that is that speaks to you. So for me, what spoke to me is public health and trying to make sure that everyone in a country like America um, has access to the basic pieces of life that they need to be healthy, mm -hmm. not just physically healthy, but for you, you know, mentally healthy, socially healthy, emotionally healthy. And so that's why I was in healthcare for quite a long time, really focusing more on the physical health. Um, and during that time, I actually volunteered in the town of Franklin. I was on the finance committee for a little bit. I was uh, on the town council for a little while. For two terms, I, I think. Right? I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, I served on the board of the Hockamock YMCA for a little while. And and then I was at the local hospital. But I couldn't ever quite leave the food pantry mm -hmm. when I was on the town councils when we started really working very closely the food pantry. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got drawn in. And uh, when this opportunity sort of arose, I thought, gosh, it's the perfect combination of all these what I thought were disparate experiences, but now have come together in this perfect package. The town I live in, little information about how it works, a little bit of information about, you know, the town departments and how I might best partner with uh -huh. uh, the administration and the police and the fire and the senior center, but also understanding how food insecurity fits into a bigger picture and what other needs we need to be sensitive to when f people come to us looking for some assistance, that there's a big picture to keep in mind, and that's where the dignity, the grace, the connections mm. to these other groups come in, because food insecurity really never exists alone. Very, very, very rarely exists alone. So for me, while there's a million pieces and people might say in the middle of COVID, what a difficult time to join. It's exactly, I think, where I'm, me personally, supposed to be at this moment in my life. So it's, it's exciting. And again, super humbling. What a great story, Tina. I think it's important that people uh, get to know the Tina Powderleys of the town and bring their children and expose them to this sort of activity. Because as you said so eloquently, once they come in and they volunteer. You break. become part of the family. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, Jim. This has been wonderful. The Franklin Food Pantry can be reached at franklinfoodpantry.org. You can call them at 508-528-3115. My name is Jim Derrick. Thanks for listening to Chapters Radio, and I'll see you next week.